At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This winter, we're taking a fresh look at a familiar story through our series, Jonah, At Odds with God. Tune in now as we face the same choice Jonah did, to receive God's mission or to resent it. Morning, church. Oh, what a great way to take our worship and be able to present it to God in several different facets from worshiping in a time of prayer to worshiping for what he's done through communion to worshiping through song, the very song, what he's done. And I hope your heart's prepared to worship him as we open his word this morning. We'll be in our fourth week studying the book of Jonah. Wow, it's been exciting to see ourselves in the life of Jonah. You guys felt that way? That's right, that's right. It's more than just this Hebrew prophet and this big-bellied fish. We can actually see ourselves in the life of Jonah as he is at odds with God. So many times as I've been listening, I was kind of like, ooh, yeah, that hit a little close to home, seeing myself in the life of Jonah. Today will be no exception. We won't be focusing so much on Jonah as we will be on the people of Nineveh. And we're going to see repentance. We're going to see repentance in a big way in the city of Nineveh in response to the power of God. Confession. <laughs> As a kid, I loved fire. Anybody else like to set things on fire? Okay, I'm not alone, so I don't feel so bad. I would burn action figures and playset vehicles. If it, if it could burn, if it was made of wood or plastic, I would burn it. I experimented with accelerants like lighter fluid and gasoline. Even my dad's bottle of Brute 33 cologne, that would burn as well. <laughs> I set my bedroom on fire at one point, had to use a fire extinguisher to put it out and spend hours cleaning it up so mom and dad wouldn't find out. They're listening in Florida right now. They just found out. But, <laughs> I set the doghouse on fire. It was a total loss. And then one day, when my cousin and I were building a little fire underneath the family camper where we thought we couldn't be seen, Dad saw. And he came out with righteous fatherly fury and made sure that I understood the error of my ways. And I said, oh my gosh, I repent. I repent of this desire to play with fire. I'm never going to do it again. That repentance was pretty superficial. Within a couple of months, I was right back to my old tricks. And still, to this day, if I have the choice of taking a piece of furniture to the end of the road to go in the garbage or to set it on fire, I will always default to fire. Just so you guys know. But today we're going to see real repentance. Not that superficial repentance that I displayed. Real repentance on a great scale in the city of Nineveh this morning. And we're going to see that true repentance is more than just confessing your sin. It's more than just asking forgiveness for your sin. True repentance is turning from that sin and turning to God. And that's the central theme of our passage today. Our big idea is that God responds to repentance. It's really important that we understand this this morning. and very important that we get a good understanding of what repentance is because it's part of our conversion as followers of Jesus. There's sin and there's Jesus. Part of that conversion, turning from that sin 
and turning to Jesus. It requires that repentance. We're saved by faith alone. But faith and repentance are two sides of the same coin. Turning from sin, turning to Jesus. Even Jesus himself said, repent and believe. Let's look at this biblical account this morning. We're in Jonah. We're in chapter 3 this morning. Let's take a look at this biblical account of repentance. Starting in verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So Jonah was in the belly of the fish, right? We saw God's severe mercy in appointing that fish to come and snatch him out of the water. We saw Jonah's song last week as he lamented inside the fish, and now he's back out on dry land. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The first thing that we see here this morning is that repentance begins with hearing the word. So here's Jonah. He's freshly expelled, the word says vomited, I'm going to say expelled, from the fish onto dry land. Immediately in verse 1, we read, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. There's such truth about God's character for us to learn from just these few words, that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Even after Jonah's deliberate disobedience in turning from where God wanted him to go and trying to run from the presence of the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The Lord didn't rebuke him, didn't come down on him with fire and brimstone. He simply came to him a second time. We talk so many times about God being a God of second chances. We see this on display here, but it's a little bit more than that. We see that God is a gracious God, a patient God of second chances, willing to take us and redirect us according to his will. And after telling Jonah to arise and go to Nineveh a second time, here's what God says. He says, tell them what I tell you. That's your message for Nineveh. Tell them what I tell you. Jonah wasn't free to ad-lib this message. He wasn't free to elaborate. He wasn't even going to go there and wow them with the story of the big fish. He will simply deliver to the Ninevites the word of God. And that's the same thing today. As it was with prophets of old or the modern-day preacher, nothing good can be said unless it is the word of God. And repentance for the people of Nineveh wasn't going to come from the mouth of Jonah. It was going to come from the powerful word of God being spoken through him. So now God has Jonah's attention. What does he do? What does Jonah do this time around? This is the second time. Verse 3 says, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of God. So what happened? We don't read of an attitude change with Jonah. God's command for him didn't change. The Ninevites certainly hadn't changed. What's changed? You almost kind of picture Jonah as he's at this point of impasse, looking over the horizon at Nineveh, kind of looking over his shoulder to Tarshish where he was headed to flee God. And then he realizes 
even in his disobedience and running, it's futile in light of God's miraculous sovereignty. So Jonah picks himself up, and he heads back in the direction of God's will. In the text we read in verse 3, it says, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, which makes it seem like a really big city, which it was. Nineveh and all of the surrounding communities was upwards of 50 miles in circumference. If you were to draw a circle around it, 50 miles, it was a very big place. But that's not what the word is driving at here. It wasn't so much about the size of the city. In Hebrew, it means the importance of the city to God. While it was a big city geographically, the importance we're looking at here is the significance of the city in terms of people's lives with God. God genuinely cared about these people in Nineveh, and he was sending his prophet with a very important message for them. So here Jonah is. He travels to Nineveh. I'd like to have been a fly on the wall to see this go down. Poor Jonah's headed to downtown Nineveh, right? He's loaded up with God's message, and make no mistake, it's a message of doom. He's surrounded for miles now in every direction by a people who he likely fears very much, people linked to great evil and great violence, and he's going in there loaded double barrels with a message of doom from God. Can you imagine the fear, the courage it would have taken him to follow through with this? You can almost see that the crowd is formed behind him, the crowd is formed in front of him, people peeking out of doorways saying, what do you have for us, Hebrew prophet? What are you here for? You can almost feel the sigh as he lets it rip. He says, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the reason this was such a dramatic message is that phrase overthrown is the same phrase in Hebrew that was used to talk about God's destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. So what he's telling them is this great city that you've constructed at the hands of man, it's scorched earth in 30 days. You guys are done. Only a handful of words in Hebrew, but it originated from the mouth of God to these people. So what happened next? Was there violence? Was he seized by this great crowd and drug off to be executed? No. We see quite the difference, in fact. And it brings up another story from Acts chapter 2. Jesus has ascended to heaven. The promised Holy Spirit has come to the apostles and Peter stands up in a beautiful way and preaches the first ever Christian sermon. Hundreds and hundreds of years after the story in Nineveh, here's Peter telling these people in Jerusalem, the Jesus that you killed, he was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. And guess what? He didn't stay dead. He was raised to heaven, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And it says that the people of Jerusalem were cut to the heart by hearing this. In the catalyst to their repentance, the repentance that brought hundreds, even thousands of people, several thousand people to repent and come to Jesus, that repentance, the catalyst for it, was hearing the word of God. They could never have possibly been cut to the heart if it wasn't for Peter's faithfulness in bringing the message of God to them. But that's Peter, right? Super disciple. Several books in the Bible that he wrote. You guys realize that being a Christian means that you're a disciple too? Being a follower of Jesus is more than just grabbing that golden ticket to heaven. The title of Christian is synonymous with being a disciple of Jesus. 
That means that we follow in his words, we follow in his ways, and that also means that we are ambassadors of that same gospel that Peter took. We can't stress the importance of it, the importance of us telling people, as Peter did, that God came to this earth, lived with us in the person of Jesus Christ, telling people that he died for their sins, becoming the perfect sacrifice that was required to pay their sin debt before a holy God, telling people that he rose again and that he's indeed sitting at the right hand of the Father, and telling them that faith in Jesus is all they need for a life here and an eternity of hope. Jonah was instructed to take a message of doom to the people of Nineveh. Fortunately for us, we take a message of hope. A message of hope that Jesus is the way. And we have to be faithful couriers of this message because repentance begins with hearing the word of God. In order for the people to respond, the people of Nineveh, to respond with repentance, Jonah had to be faithful to deliver the word of God. The people had to hear it. In order for those people in Jerusalem to come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, Peter had to be faithful to deliver the word of God. In order for these people in Algonac to know that there's hope in Jesus Christ, we have to be faithful to deliver the word of God. Whether it comes by Jonah or by Peter or by us, the word of God itself brings repentance. Remember this when you interact with the world. Remember that Hebrews chapter 4 says that the word of God is living and it's active. It comes with power and that no creature is hidden from its sight. While we speak, it's the word of God that has the power. So that's us speaking to others. Let's turn that around and look at ourselves for a second. Are you hearing the word of God? What place does it have in your daily life? What place does it have in the life of your family or in your marriage? If these questions are tough to answer, now is the time to follow in the footsteps of the Ninevites and repent and come to God. Hear the word of God for you today. And this process of repentance, it starts by hearing, but it doesn't stay there. It continues as we believe the word of God. Let's go to our next section of scripture this morning in chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 5 and 6. It says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Repentance involves believing the word of God. The first thing we read in these three verses is that the people of Nineveh believed. This wasn't just a few of them. It was the entire city. Millions of people believed God, from the greatest of them to the least of them. Even the king. How is it that Jonah gets this kind of response from an entire city? How is it that an entire city, in response to the words of Jonah, puts on sackcloth and begins mourning over their sin? It's not Jonah. It's the power that comes from the word of God delivered by Jonah. And in response to this powerful voice of God that was communicated to them, the city was reduced to utter repentance. 
The power of that voice is available to us today. It's available to us through his word. Repentance involves believing the word, but are you believing it? Or are you believing the lies that this world has to offer you? Are you believing the lie of this world that you're worthless? The world will tell you that all day long. You're worthless. This is what you should look like. This is what you do look like. There's no worth in you. Are you believing what this book says? That you're immeasurably valued by God. Do you believe that your situation is maybe hopeless? Or do you believe that hope is found in Jesus Christ alone? Do you believe that that trial you're going through, very difficult time of life, do you believe that you're going through that alone? Or do you believe the truth from this word, the psalmist writes, that you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother? As followers of Jesus, God is calling you to repent of these wrong beliefs. That's why it's so important that we must be hearing and believing this word. And we can't believe the truth of this word unless we're in this word. So we've seen that repentance is hearing the word and believing the word, but it also requires action. Our third truth is found in Jonah chapter 3, 7 through 10. Let's look at the final section of scripture this morning. It says, and he issued a proclamation, this is the king, and he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his own hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Verse 10 says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. The final thing we see from the text this morning is that repentance requires responding to the word of God. At this point, Everybody from the king down to the animals is in sackcloth and ashes. And this symbolizes the humility of the entire city. And right here, Nineveh is a model of what repentance is. Turning from sin and turning to God. Right? The king gives an edict that the people are to pray and turn from their evil ways. Their ways of violence. And hope that God would relent and that they wouldn't perish. And verse 8 says that everybody was to call out mightily to God in repentance for their evil. And then verse 10 sums it up. It says, they turn from their evil way. They turn from sin and they turn to God. And as a result of this, God relented of the destruction that he had promised to them. But this brings up a very popular question. Did God change his mind? We know that God is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that his will is unchanging. Did he change his mind with these people of Nineveh? Anybody ever have any experience with electric fences? When I was a, I do all my stories start with when I was a kid. <laughs> electric fences back in the day were unmarked, right? So you found out they were electric fences by touching them. 
Today, if you buy an electric fence, a little sign comes with it. It's got like the fence and a hand, and it shows electric bolts coming from it. So it's a warning, don't touch the fence. The warning is, you will be electrocuted if you touch the fence. But the implication that's not listed on that sign is that if you don't touch the fence, you won't get shocked. Jonah knew that God's mandate of destruction for those people of Nineveh carried with it an implied forgiveness for their repentance. That's why he was reluctant to go there in the first place. He understood that after hearing the powerful word of God that changes people's hearts, that they would genuinely repent of their evil ways. Matthew Henry, scholar, Pastor Matthew Henry, notes that God saw the Ninevites' works. He saw that they turned from their evil ways. And if it had not been from this actual move away from sin, their outward expression of mourning and sackcloth would have meant nothing to him. Because God didn't spare Nineveh because of what they showed on the outside. God didn't spare Nineveh because of sackcloth and ashes. God spared Nineveh because they offered him a broken spirit. Because they came to him with a contrite and repentant heart. Their offering was an attitude of a changed heart, not just an outward display. And Christian, as the Spirit identifies sin within your life, that's exactly what needs to happen. Our response has to be the same. It needs to be complete brokenness toward God, neediness, emptiness, relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of that sin. Hearing the word of God always leads us to a repentant response. So what truth about him, about his word, about his gospel, about being a disciple, what truth have you heard, you've agreed with, but you've never turned into action steps in your life? What is God asking you to do that you failed to move out on? You know you should be doing it, He's communicated that to you, but you've yet to do anything about it. Has he asked you to join with the local church body? Has he asked you to say, yep, I'm planting my flag here. This is home. I'm joining in membership with this local church. I'm going to link up with them and serve. Has he asked you to serve within the local church, figure out what your giftings are? He's gifted us all in beautiful ways for his community in Jesus Have you been willing to link up with the church, find out what your giftings are, and put them to work? Is he asking you to give up yourself? Maybe of your time? Maybe of your money? Maybe of your knowledge? There are saints within this church who have decades and decades of wonderful biblical knowledge. It's true. You know how to live life as a Christian. You've been through the tough times. You've got a lot of information that you can impart on the next generation. Don't hoard that. If God's reaching out to you saying, yes, use that. Come and communicate to the next generation what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe he's asking you to walk through the waters of baptism, to declare publicly, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Hey, church family, hey, community, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple, and I'm going to be baptized to show that. Maybe he's asking you simply to be faithful in sharing the good news of Jesus with your friends, with your family, with your neighbor. So repent. Repent of the doubt 
Repent of the hesitation, repent of the inaction, and follow as his spirit leads. Because God responds to our repentance. Nineveh was given 40 days. 40 days to repent. Right? They heard the word of God, they believed the word of God, and they acted on the word of God by all indications that same day, very quickly. Maybe for you it's been a month. Maybe it's been a year. Maybe it's been your whole life. Know that God is now calling you to repent. Repent and turn from your disbelief and come to him. So I hope you listened to God's voice from the book of Jonah this morning. Maybe you need to repent of your refusal to follow where he leads. Respond to the call of action in your life. Maybe you need to turn from that sin habit that's rooted itself in your heart. Turn from that sin and give it back to him. He's the only one that can cleanse it. Or maybe he's telling you to repent of your disbelief. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. He's telling you now is the time. Come to me in faith. I have more than this world has to offer. Hear, believe, and respond to God. Lord, we pray that would be the case this morning. God, we thank you for what we've seen of repentance in your word. We thank you for the beautiful illustration of the people of Nineveh that they saw the problem, that they heard from your word, and that they were moved to action. It wasn't just an outward expression. It's so easy to do that, show something outwardly, but where the rubber meets the road is when we move to action. Father, I pray that we would all be moved in that direction, whether it's coming to the point where we realize our sin, we realize our need for a Savior, and we come to Jesus in faith, taking hold of his promise. If it's letting go of a sin that's plagued our life forever, finally surrendering that to you. Lord, if it's moving out in any number of ways that we've listed, and we know that there are more, we pray that you would show us. Open our hearts. Don't let us leave here unchanged, Father. May your spirit convict us in such a way that we are moved to repentance and change. We give it all to you. We desire nothing but your glory. We pray that that would be the case this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.